Hello and welcome. You're now listening to the 2028 Podcast, your one-stop hub for getting quality content on becoming the next millionaire investor. Hi, I'm Vince. And I'm Teasing, And we'll be leading you through our digestible SWOT analysis on complex business operations. And we'll judge whether they'll sink or swim. Between the two of us, we have 10 years of solid business analytical experience. And we want to impart with you the tools necessary to not just survive, but thrive as an investor. Events. Did you know that uh, Bitcoin actually just hit 40K? Well, hold on, 40K, like just recently? Yeah, it was about uh, a week ago, actually. Oh my God. That is crazy. The fact that Bitcoin was what? $8,000, not even a year mm-hmm. ago, a year or two ago, and now it's $40,000 per Bitcoin? Dude, that's crazy. But you know what's even crazier? So there's another cryptocurrency from Ethereum called Ether. Mm, okay. As of uh, December 25th, 2020, it was around, it was trending around 612, 620 bucks. And January 2nd of 2021, it hit a whopping 1,200. 1,200. It in doubled. what? It's been of a week. Yeah. In one week, 100% return. Yes. Whew. Talk about that volatility right there. Like, I mean, it just goes up and down. Well, I mean, it is a cryptocurrency, and from what I understand, cryptocurrencies have a whole lot of volatility, and it's kind of like the name of the game. Oh, yeah, it is. I mean, if you think about it, like a couple days ago, it was actually, Ether was actually at 1300 and within 12 hours, it mm-hmm. went down to 990 bucks. <laughs> yeah, not going to lie, if that were me, i definitely have a heart attack in the entire 12 hours. Oh, so hell yeah. Like what? If I bought 10 of them, that's like what? A 30% drop in my portfolio? No, more than that. More than a 30% drop. Yeah, it, it'll be crazy, you know? Like, I mean, yeah, you see it go up to 1,200. You're like, oh, this is a good buy. It's going to go up. bullish on it. Keep on going. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. You buy it at, you know, 1,200. Mm-hmm. A couple days later, you see it go up to 1,300. For sure. And then you're like, in your head, you're just like, okay, this is making money. We're good. We're yeah. doing good. Uh-huh. And then you go to sleep. You wake up and you look at it and you see 990 bucks. And like at that point, I would just be like cursing Ethereum. You just be having a heart attack at that point. And you know what? That actually brings us into today's episode. And today we're going to talk about Ethereum and their cryptocurrency called Ether. What is it? What does it mean? And what's all the hype about it? So what exactly is Ethereum? Well, Ethereum is a decentralized open source blockchain feature that features smart contract functionality. And Ethereum actually has their own native cryptocurrency called the Ether. So, Ethereum, okay, so there's Ethereum, which is the entire program or the entire functionality. Mm-hmm. And then they have a thing or a cryptocurrency called Ether. Now, Ether powers those contracts that you mentioned. But another thing that we should really talk about is with Ethereum, they are powered by this thing called blockchain technology. Well, what exactly is that? Yeah, recently there's a whole lot of hype around blockchain technology, but the technology itself has been around for decades. And only recently people have started to utilize this new technology and they realize they can make a whole lot of money and it's a disruptor to a lot of industries. So let's break it down. Well, to how so, we'll talk about that in a bit, but to what exactly is blockchain technology? It's broken down into three parts. It's cryptographically secure. It's a transactional singleton machine. And it's at a shared state. So what do you mean when you say cryptographically secure? Yeah, so that's a good question. Cryptographically secured means that it is 
secured on a whole different level. So you know like if you plug into a USB drive and you're wondering if it's secure, well, your USB drive is not the most secure thing. Like it doesn't have a password. But with blockchain technology, each block of the chain is very secure. Oh, okay. Yeah, how about the transactional? Yeah, so transactional singleton machine. That means that there is a single truth that everyone, everybody believes in. So you know how everyone says that, oh, everybody knows what everyone else has. That is mm -hmm. true because the blockchain has a script of everything that goes on. If you want to understand like, oh, X person made a transaction to Y person. That's a fundamental truth. And everybody knows that. So is that public? Yeah, it's public. I mean, so long as you have access to the blockchain, yes, it's public. And, and pretty much anyone can get access into the into the blockchain. Oh, okay. Okay. So how about the shared state? Yeah, so the shared state, that means that the machine is open source and is shared amongst everybody. Okay, so everyone has access to it. Exactly. Everybody has access to that. Yeah, I mean, that was a whole lot of stuff to blockchain technology, but trust us, this technology is revolutionary. It's going to change the world. Yeah, I mean, one of the other things about Ethereum that's really nice is Ethereum itself is actually a ledger tech. A ledger tech? Yeah, it's a ledger tech. So it actually, a lot of companies actually use it to build new programs. Now, from what I gathered, Bitcoin doesn't have that, right? It's just no, Ethereum. It's just Ethereum. That's okay. why Ethereum is very unique. So if we were to look at when Ethereum was created, it was actually created in 2015 by a 21-year-old. A 21-year-old. Yeah, a 21-year-old. Now, forgive me if I'm pronouncing this wrong, but his name was Vitalik Buterin. And his whole main purpose of creating it was to actually decentralize the internet with Ethereum coins. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I guess that makes sense. Like, what, everything's run in a central system? Like, say, for example, you had a bank. A bank is run by a central system. Same with the money. Run by the U.S. Treasury. Mm -hmm. Like, everything has a system that it's run by. But, you know, like, if you were to think about cryptocurrencies, not really. You know, it's just out there. It's out there, everybody knows what it is, and it's hard to, I don't know, change it up if you really wanted to. Mm -hmm. When they actually launched Ethereum, they got crowdsourced, and they were able to collect $18 million to launch Ethereum. Wow. Wow. Yeah, $18 million. $18 million in 2015. I know crowd like crowdsourcing wasn't as big as it is today, so... The fact that they raised $18 million says a whole lot of support for this community. Yeah, I mean, the other fact is the fact that, you know, there was Bitcoin already there. So when Ethereum introduced, you know, Ether and their whole state, like it was easy for people to just dive in. They're more familiar with the technology. Mm -hmm. Before we really get into it, we should really talk about what Ethereum is. Now, I know we talked about it in the top of the episode, but we should really talk more about the fundamentals because it's like it's important. And when we go into our SWOT analysis, it's very important to understand the fundamentals so that way we could really dive into the SWOT. OK, OK. So what exactly is Ethereum? Yeah. So Ethereum is a transaction based state machine. It's a whole lot of mumbo jumbo. But to break it down, Ethereum started off at Genesis. Okay. Now, Genesis, just like the Bible, there in the beginning, there was light. For Ethereum, in the beginning, there was Genesis. And after Genesis mm -hmm. occurred, there were a whole bunch of transactions. Like, I gave you a coin, you gave me a coin, there's a transaction, I bought your app, you bought my app, all that good stuff. Now, in that sense, did Ethereum come before Ethers? Yes, Ethereum did come before Ethers. Because okay. Ethereum is, yes, exactly. Now, 
all these transactions, as we said, stated beforehand, there is this blockchain technology that's incorporated into Ethereum. Mm. With all these transactions that are going on, you have these groups of people called miners. Gotcha. So these miners basically try to solve equations or like try to verify these transactions that's happening inside the blockchain. And I'm guessing as a reward for doing so, they would get one ether or like a currency, Exactly. Right? A coin. Exactly. Now, they do get a coin for this. And the reason why they get a coin is because you need an incentivization for miners to go in and grab that coin. Ah, now, I do know that mining is not cheap at all. It's actually no, it's very, very expensive. very expensive. Yeah. And I do know that uh, it's mostly relying on a computer's GPU, which is their graphics mm -hmm. card. And, you know, not one is not enough. You actually need multiple. And it can get pretty costly because if you think about it, like, what, uh, a graphics card, right? If you are trying to get your hands on a good graphics card, once they start... Once they are released, like scouters mm -hmm. will go out and buy as much as they can. So it's a rare commodity. Yeah, it becomes a very rare commodities. And, you know, if you were to try to get like a couple of good graphics card, each one can cost like for mining cards. Each one can cost up to like fifteen hundred bucks just for one. Hold on. So I heard that you mentioned each one. Yes. How many mining one. cards do you need? So a normal rig would have anywhere between eight to 10 graphics cards Whew. and not not just regular graphics cards they're really powerful graphics cards like i know like for like computers if you want to game and all you just need one graphics card but if you want to mine you need to have what eight to ten that's yeah. insane and even with that it'll still take you a while to mine you know and the th that's not the worst part the worst part is let's say you were to have a system with 10 graphics cards right sure okay just the electricity cost itself for one month can be mm -hmm. a whopping thousand two hundred to a thousand five hundred. Thousand two hundred, dude. That's more than like what I pay for my electric bill to power up my entire house. Yeah. How and, is it? How is that's far not more it. expensive that, than that? Yeah, and that's not that's not even it. You need to take into consideration the ten or eight graphics cards that you buy. That's a good eight to fifteen thousand dollars right there. So Jeez. it's not cheap. It's very expensive. Now, some people might be asking if you're more technical savvy, why graphics card and not why not just get a high, like a very powerful processor? Why can't a processor do all this? So the graphics card actually uses uh, these hashes, right? Now, hashes are basically the amount of codes that a graphics card can process, right? So a regular GPU, like, yes, you can mine with, a, G, a CPU, but it'll mm -hmm. literally take you years. Now, the reason why it takes you years is because the way a processor works is they do things in series. They do things one at a time. Yeah, mm -hmm. you might have like 16 cores, but they do it like all at one time. Yeah. But with the GPU, like you said, Tizen, GPUs run in parallel, which means with all those transactions, thousands upon thousands of transactions could be computated in a matter of milliseconds yeah. versus a, a CPU one at a time. Yeah, and the fact that you know in a uh, in a blockchain, there's not just hundreds or a couple thousands of transactions. There's tens and tens of thousands. You know, millions even. Million, yeah, millions. So, you know, if you were trying to mine it, just one 
good graphics card would not do any justice. No. So there's a very high barrier to entry if you want to become a miner. Yes. Or if you want to create. Mm-hmm. Now, there's another way of getting a coin. You could just go out and buy it. But for them, they might not think it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, personally, I would say it's better to just buy the cryptocurrency than mining it. Because okay. at the end of the day, mining would cost you an arm and a leg. It would... Yeah. At, like right now, it would cost you more to mine than to actually go out and just buy one coin. Probably, yeah. No, not even probably, definitely. Like you said, like mining is like, it's an entire process on its own. But with my, like the entire process of blockchain technology is that each block gets built on to the next block. So each miner, they create one node mm-hmm. or they create one block and it keeps building on. Now there, there might be some issues that might come up with this. Say for example, if one block is created, Another block might be created at another end. And just to visualize it, imagine like a fork. You have mm-hmm. the base, the single, the skinny part of your fork, and at the end of the fork, you have all these different prongs. Now, you might be wondering, asking yourself, okay, there are four prongs. Which prong does the chain keep on going? Does it go on to the far right, far left, or the center one? Well, Ethereum has this protocol called Ghost Protocol. Now, Ghost Protocol is called, it stands for a greedily heavily observed subtree. Now, the state that is picked is the one that has the most computations done upon. So effectively, it just selects the chain that has the most blocks on it, and it follows that chain. So the more transactions that's happening. Exactly, yeah. Those transactions that are happening, each block that's built upon the next block, it just builds off on each other. So what about the other blocks? That's a good question. Now, those other blocks that are on the sides, those are called forks. Those are Mm -hmm. like a fork on the road. Mm -hmm. Now, those forks on the road get disregarded. But we'll talk more about it later, because... There are instances where these forks have led to different derivatives of different cryptocurrencies. Oh, interesting. Now, one thing that sets Ethereum apart is the fact that they actually have their own language. So it it actually allows... Yeah, it's kind of like coding. And it actually allows people to create their own decentralized apps. And as Ethereum likes to call it, dApps. So it's more than just a currency. It's more like an entire ecosystem. And actually, dApps are actually powered by Ether. Oh, okay. Coin. Gotcha. Are there any examples? Like, what kind of apps are out there right now? You can actually find dApps anywhere. They're from uh, crypto cur- cryptocurrency wallets, uh, financial apps, games. And there's some other apps that have it too. And they run in the background to make it more secure and basically to have a good preservation of it. Yes. I don't know, like, Dapps are a major disruptor to a whole bunch of industries right now. Mm-hmm. But we'll talk more about that later in like the SWOT analysis. Which actually, let's actually go ahead and talk about their strengths. Well, the first strength that we really have for you guys is that Ethereum, effectively, it's the voice of the people. Now, what does that mm-hmm. mean? It means that the community, the community itself actually voices if they want any changes in policy or if there are any major changes or overhauls. So it's the community that decides on what actually happens. Exactly. So like say for example big big companies like Sears or big companies like I don't know Amazon typically mm. have Jeff Bezos making the final call. But yeah. for but in this case it's the community as a whole. Exactly. Exactly. That's pretty cool. I mean another strength is the fact that they're actually ran on Bitcoin technology. Okay. Now the fact that Bitcoin technology is decentralized means that it's not regulated by any central system or any market. So that's really good. Mm. 
Like, there's no yeah. chance for fraud, no nothing like that. There's no one who could really corrupt the system. No. And one of the best things is that blockchains is actually a peer-to-peer network. Oh, so what does that mean? So basically what that means is that it's between the sender and receiver. Okay. So there's no third party. So no middleman. For example, no, no middleman. Okay. So for example, let's say uh, you're trying to transfer, you're, you're trying to exchange currency or something, right? Sure. How would you do that? You would need a middleman like an exchange or a bank. Yeah. So I, I yeah, I'd go to a bank. I would just like talk to the bank teller to say like, yo, I want to get some British pounds. Can you do that for me? Yeah. But what blockchain technology does is that it completely takes away the middleman. Hmm. So there's no transactional so there's, fee. There isn't any transactional fee. It's just a transaction between the sender and receiver. It's it's as if, you know, like you owe me five dollars. Yeah. And I tell you, hey, give me five dollars. You hand me five dollars. Mm-hmm. Transaction done. No middleman. Quick okay. and simple. You know, I don't know why isn't it, everything isn't that easy anymore. I mean, you know, w- once you have the middleman, then there's fees that goes along with that. You know, so it'll cost more and it's a way for them to make more money. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. But Ethereum doesn't, like Ether, the cryptocurrency, it does not have anything like that. So there's okay. no transactional fees or anything. It's just straightforward. Nice. I like that. So why exactly is this good? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that it means is that it's actually tax-free. Mm-hmm. And the government can actually not control it or regulate Ethereum. You know, it's kind of sketchy because, like, say, for example, if I want to do some shady stuff, it's okay for you me can't. to do that and not be tracked by the government? Yeah. You can't be tracked. They can't regulate anything or, you know, they can't come after you because mm. everything's secured and everything goes by a certain code you know your your cryptocurrency wallet has like a certain code it's not your name that's on it gotcha 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 i guess that's which, a good thing which can be a strength and mm-hmm. it can also be a bad thing but we'll get more into that in a mm-hmm. bit okay now another really good thing is that it's pseudo anonymous what do you mean by that so theoretically it's anonymous and untraceable like i said earlier so everything's stored on virtual wallets sure. right so your cryptocurrencies that you have mm-hmm. they're not physical so you you can't physically touch them mm. so what you have is you have a crypto wallet okay which is an electronic wallet that has a password that's specific to you so you did mention pseudo anonymity what's pseudo about that the pseudo part is the fact that so it is theoretically anonymous and untraceable but Let's say you were to, you know, transfer the money on your crypto wallet to your account, right? Mm-hmm. If you were to transfer that, essentially what it's doing is that you're giving your personal information to the wallet in mm. order for you to send that money. I got you. And okay. at that point, your whole information will be out there. Oh, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I really do like that part about the anonymity that comes with Ethereum. But another thing that I really do like about Ethereum, and I do think that it is a solid strength, is that mm-hmm. Ethereum is one of the few cryptocurrencies that actually is programmable. Oh, so you mean like uh, dApps, right? Exactly, like dApps. So Ethereum, like any sort of coding language, has their own language. So programmers can go into the app or into the software and program their own app, aka dApps. Now, dApps, they are pretty much Yeah, like everywhere. I said earlier, it was in the wallets, the financial apps, games. Exactly. More, right? Exactly. They're in like pretty much everywhere. But the thing with 
dApps is that once they're up in the system, they're there forever. Like they cannot so it's be taken down. It's permanent because remember, it's all decentralized. There isn't one exact server. So let me get this straight. Mm -hmm. So let's say I was a creator and I created a app, right? Yes. So I put it in uh, Ethereum. Okay. So let's say like a week or two or even a month later, I found like that I wanted to change something in it. Mm -hmm. So technically, I can't go back and change it. Not really, because you, you, yes, you created it and you published it, but you no longer really own it. Ah, so because it's open source. It's open source, exactly. Ah, so now, in order for me to change anything, I you can basically create a derivative. mod it. Exactly, you ah. can mod it. You can create a derivative, you can mod it, you can change it up. But mm -hmm. that version is But that is original gonna file is exactly. always going to be up there. It's always going to be there. It. Now, Got it. one of the things that a lot of people really like about dApps is this new feature called smart contracts. Smart contracts. I think I heard about that. What exactly is it? Yeah, so I was before this episode, I was a little confused about smart contracts as well, but mm -hmm. I found a great analogy with smart contracts. Now, visualize a vending machine. Now, okay. you put in a coin and you get something out of it. Now, imagine yeah. that coin is an ether. You put in an ether into the system and outputs this contract. Now, the contract is a series of functions that's already predetermined and you know what to expect. So it's like a, it's like a safety. Exactly, it's a, it's a safety. It's very hard to break this contract. What you put in is what you get out. Ah. So a real life example is say for example, real estate transactions. You wanna give mm. money to a person and in exchange they give you the property to their house. Now typically with a real estate transaction you deal with an escrow company. Now the escrow company you put in money into that account and they hold on to, that, uh, hold on to the money so that way there's some security between the two parties. Ah. But with this, with these smart contracts, you don't need an escrow company. You could just give those inputs into the system and they could do that transaction for you with great security. Mm, so what you're saying is it's basically a set number of rules mm -hmm. for each transaction and it'll make sure though that those uh, rules are met before the actual transfer is made. Exactly, exactly. And what makes, this, it. What makes this so revolutionary is that yeah, there's Bitcoin, and Bitcoin is like the, one of the first blockchain cryptocurrencies. But with mm -hmm. Ethereum, yes, they are a cryptocurrency, but they also have a whole bunch of apps that financial institutions, companies, are taking full advantage. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so say for, like like we said with the escrow situation, financial mm -hmm. institutions, you could trade, you can make oh, bets. Okay, yeah. There's gambling mm -hmm. over there too. I mean, not that we advocate for gambling, but you can do that in a very secure manner. And there's also ah. games and all that good stuff over there is changing the way that the world will operate in the future. The future is in blockchain technology. So let me ask you, so is there like any entity or person that controls anything? No, it, nobody controls it. That's Nothing. what. That's another beauty of it. Nobody controls it, it's controlled by the people and the people are the ones responsible for it. And, and we'll talk about more about the significance of this later on, mm -hmm. but just so you know, the people have a huge amount of control with this. Okay. So it's the community. It's the community. But with all that being said, with all these strengths and these amazing features with Ethereum and the cryptocurrency sphere, there are mm -hmm. a good number of weaknesses as well. Like the fact that uh, smart contracts, right? Okay. They are good in a sense, but one thing that you need to make sure is that the coding is actually done right. Oh, and like in what way? And the reason why I say that is okay. because actually in uh, 2016, there was actually a hacker that stole $50 million. $50 million. All, 
Yeah. $50 million. <laughs> and that was all due to bad coding. My God. Well, can you elaborate on what does this mean? Bad coding? Well, so this attack was actually a DAO attack. Okay. Right. So what exactly is a DAO? So it's a digital decentralized autonomous organization. Mm-hmm. And what they primarily do is they manage models for cryptocurrencies. Okay. They basically manage policies and decision-making structures and create them into codes. Mm-hmm. So that'll eliminate the need of central authority. Uh, that's a good thing. That sounds like an amazing thing. Yeah, that, that's a really good thing. Now, what happened in uh, 2016? Well, so let's rewind a little bit. So sure. the DAO was actually launched in April of 2016 mm-hmm. by a German startup called Stockit. And it was actually two months right after they launched it that this attack happened. Sounds like a pretty bad startup, if you ask me. That's a, yeah, I mean, that sucks. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. two months, literally yeah, two you're months just into a start. It and then you, bam, you attack. Yeah, so what the hacker essentially did was he went in and he started getting ethers mm-hmm. from the DAO and he started moving it into a child DAO, a which child. he created. Well, hold on, what's a yeah. child DAO? A child DAO is basically another, like it's a, it's a parallel DAO. So just like you mentioned about like forks. Okay. He created another DAO with the same, you know, the same uh, functions. And he started moving the ethers from the original DAO that everyone was trading in okay. into the new one. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And he took in close to 3.6 million ethers, Jeez. which equivalates to about $50 million back then. Whew. So this guy That's just took lot. advantage of this startup company and took $50 million worth of ethers? Yeah. And God, you know what the funniest thing is? And what? On, this is the funniest thing. Okay. So right after the attacker did this, mm-hmm. he went online and he basically proclaimed that his actions were actually by the law and there's no criminal criminal My proceeds God. against him so what the guy just stole everything doing, and proclaimed yeah, it to so, the world like yeah i did it i took full responsibility for this yeah and uh his excuse was that he was just taking advantage of the loophole because of the bad coding that happened wow wow so in order to fix this they actually created a different strain aka a different fork now vince do you know which ones they are teasing it's a funny thing that you mentioned it because ethereum actually in its entire history has encountered three major forks the first Mm -hmm. fork that you're talking about with the dao attack that's Mm -hmm. called ethereum classic and it's still trading to this day it is still trading now you might be asking yourself why would they keep this situation where a dude steals 50 million dollars of ethers and just let him get away with it well Mm -hmm. the community was split the community was yep. in one in one field. They were enraged as some dude hacked fifty million dollars worth of ethers, and there's another group of people where they're like, "Oh, it is what it is. I want decentralization. I don't want there to be any sort of any sort of overhaul or many major o- control." So what they did was they created Ether Classic. Ether Classic is that mm-hmm. subset of people who decided to like you know let it be, let just let it happen, and then there's mm-hmm. the other group. That other group, we'll talk more about that. That's called Metropolis, or the, it's a code name for the, what Ether is traded today. Gotcha. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the hacker, uh, so I know that in Ethereum Classic, yes, they're trading at around $7 a 
the hacker who stole the 3.6 million coins, mm -hmm. he still make, made quite a bit of money, like 21 million. Yeah, that's freaking wild. Like, yeah, his, yeah. His, what he sold, the $50 million, yeah, it's devalued to like, what, you said $21 million? Yeah. But still, $21 million, and just for it all to be technically legal, mm -hmm. that's freaking wild. Dude, that's, that's wild. Yeah, that's crazy. But, I mean, good thing they were able to fix it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for the people who just thought that it was wrong, good for them. They have a new fork. I mean, that's one of the biggest weaknesses that I saw, but they were able to fix it, so that's a good thing. Now, it's funny that you mentioned Netizen because another great thing that Ethereum faces is their scalability. Now, like as we said in the top of the episode, they began in 2015. And in 2015, as you may know, it's a startup company. Yeah, they got $18 million, which is great, but... $18 million is not enough to scale an organization. Now, for a new company, a new company is central, which means a lot of investors pull in their money money into one central location, which means their infrastructure gets developed, it gets, it gets risen really quick. It's just amazing. With Ethereum, there's no centrality. There is no one central place where you can like really put in all your money. So what they rely on is they rely on just slow growth and eventual funding to come in. Now, it's really bad because without that money, they're not really able to develop their infrastructure. Now, their founder, he went on this talk and he was talking about one of their biggest threats or their biggest weaknesses was scalability. Now, scalability is because it's they're limited to the number of transactions. In 2017, they were limited to three transactions per second. Now, you might be thinking, three transactions a second, that's quite a bit. Well, if you compare it to Amazon, Amazon's able to compute over thousands and thousands of transactions per second. That's a lot compared to what, three transactions per second. If Ethereum encountered four transactions, their system would be overloaded and they would crash. Yeah, man. So those two were, I think, the biggest weaknesses that they have. Mm -hmm. But not just weaknesses, they they do have quite a bit of opportunities that come into play. I mean, man, you're right. They do have a whole lot of opportunities. But I think their biggest one is that, in all honesty, they're moving away from currency. Mm -hmm. In the entire world, everyone really compares their currency to the U.S. dollar. Now, yeah, for us uh, Americans, that's pretty great. But say, for example, there's another country that relies on the U.S. dollar. Well, they can't really rely on a greater supply of U.S. dollars because the U.S. Treasury is the only entity responsible for printing out the dollar. Yeah. However, with cryptocurrencies, those currencies are really aren't regulated by any sort of major entity. It's regulated by mm -hmm. the community as a whole. It's universal. It's universal. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, like like you're saying, so it's it becomes like a whole uh, whole other uh, economy. It, it, yeah, yeah. It's like a whole another economy, and it's a whole another currency in reality because like everyone's using the same amount. Exactly. And you know what? It's funny that you mentioned that because more or less cryptocurrencies in theory, they have like they have opposite direction as to what the U.S. stock market goes about. Mm -hmm. So if the market goes up one day, well, then Bitcoin goes down the other. It goes down the other day. And mm -hmm. the reason why is because people want to invest more of their money on Bitcoins when they think that their internal markets are more unreliable. It's like mm -hmm. stick to the man sort of mentality. Like, oh, I want to get out, get out of the grid. I want to get out of this entire system. I want to be free from it all. Mm -hmm. And it also gives credence to their other opportunity, which is anonymity. Teasing, I don't know about you, but I like my anonymity. Because mm. you've heard of that saying whenever you get, um, you win a million dollars. Lottery? Yeah, exactly. You know that saying whenever you win the lottery? You're not really supposed to disclose that you won the lottery. You're supposed to really remain anonymous. Now, mm. that anonymity really preserves the right, the fact that you are now a rich man, which 
protects you and say, for example, if you have a whole lot of threats or people who want to like exploit you, you could use that anonymity mm -hmm. to make sure that you're okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, those are pretty good opportunities that they have. And another fact is that, you know, a lot of companies are now starting to accept cryptocurrencies as payments. Mm. You know, well, it makes I don't them know more mainstream. You notice this, but uh, yeah, it makes it more mainstream because I do know that uh, Amazon, they accept cryptocurrencies. They do. As well as, yeah, they do. And well, I, I believe right now it's only Bitcoins, mm. but I'm pretty sure as time goes on, they're going to start allowing more cryptocurrencies to be part of it. I and agree. I do know that in other places of the world, you know, if you're going to a store or like a gas station, they actually allow cryptocurrency payments. Wow. Which is really good. The times because are changing. Because it's becoming mainstream, you know. This is the future like, right here. Yeah. Basically, the future is here. Hmm. And yeah, so that's that's really good. That's like a great opportunity that they have. Yeah. I would say another good opportunity is the fact that this is all open source. Yes. Which means that, you know, if you create anything, it's going to stick around forever. Mm -hmm. Like it's not going to die out. Yeah. Like as a creator, It'll only die you don't have to worry about like censorship or like any sort of big yeah. corporation trying to take it down. Like mm -hmm. as an example, Parler. Parler relied yeah. on Amazon for their as a server. Now Amazon mm -hmm. being that being the server provider, they decided to shut mm -hmm. them down and end Parler. Which yeah, and what happened? Uh, they're gone. Ended. They're gone. Yeah. Yeah. But with but with this, like you're good. Yeah, like the entire thing needs to shut down in order for anything to be gone. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, like as a creator, they do have a whole lot of opportunities, or like even as an investor. It sounds like mm -hmm. they have a whole lot of opportunities. It sounds like it's really skyrocketing. It sounds like the sky's the limit with Ethereum. But teasing, mm -hmm. wouldn't you agree that there are a whole lot of threats as well? Oh, yeah. There's some pretty big threats. And uh, Bitcoin's actually one of them. Now, if you think about it, Bitcoin was the first cryptocurrency that took off. Yeah. If you ask you know, about, like, like when you, talk when to you me about yeah. cryptocurrency, I yeah, think about Bitcoin. I don't think about either. Yeah. The first thing that comes to your mind is Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Because that's that's what everyone's talking about. That's what the biggest hype is about. And the value of it is, as of right now, it's $34,000 for one Bitcoin. Wow. And you like know? what? Ether is only going for only a couple thousand dollars? Like less than yeah, a thousand dollars? Yeah, $1,250. Wow. Yeah, there's a big But, you know, it, it's still getting there. And if you think about it, I mean, Bitcoin did start back in 2009. Mm -hmm. And... Ether was created, what, in uh, 2015? 2015. I mean, for Ether saving grace, it is the second largest cryptocurrency out there. But so it, that, That's a good thing. Yeah, no, it's nothing, but it's still a threat. It's still a major threat. Yeah, it's a threat because, like, I mean, if you think about any other place that accepts cryptocurrencies, mm -hmm. it's mostly Bitcoins. Exactly. I don't think I really found, I don't think, I don't think I've yeah, found I, a place that accepted Ether. Yeah, I haven't found a place that accepts Ether, but I do know there's some, there's some, like, online game bases or some other, uh, there's one or two stores that would allow you to purchase with Ether. Mm, but other than that, not really. But hopefully later down the road, more and more companies and more and more services will start allowing Ether crypto. Gotcha, gotcha. But I do know that a big threat to Ether or Ethereum is DOS attacks. You mean the denial of service attacks, right? Exactly. So yep. we did talk a little bit about it before, but a DOS attack is when a person gives weight, like to break it down, a person or a server gives another server way too many um pings or way too many bits of information and a few bits yeah, of information so, at a time is fine mm -hmm, but yeah. if you overload so, the system it's mm -hmm. bad yeah yeah it can create the machine or the server or even the network to shut down 
Exactly, and that's not good. And as we nope. said before, as a weakness, is that Ethereum's infrastructure, at least at least uh, a year or two ago, it wasn't as developed as it is today. But even still, mm -hmm. today, it's not nowhere near as where they want it to be in the future. Yeah, I mean, it's still in the making, you know? It's still exactly. in the... It's not perfect, early but it's, a it's still a work in progress. Yeah, I mean, once it becomes mainstream and once people start accepting payments, mm -hmm. I feel like then the security is going to increase and everything's going to be more advanced by that. Exactly, exactly. And I think another threat that they face is actually the dApps because they're actually bottlenecked. What do you mean by that? So so they're not really centrally updatable. Okay. So if you create an app, you can't really update it at like, you know, an instant. Mm. It'll take a while and it's pretty difficult because you have to create mods or like another version of that. You can't really go back into the app that you've created or an app that exists to improve it mm. you would have to essentially create a new app so if i were an app creator on the google play store it, for me it'd be easy because i could just go there update the version and then everyone could get the updated version of the app so you're saying yeah. it's not true with an app or a dap in ethereum yeah because if you think about it so let's say you created an app in ethereum right sure a dap okay if you create that app and let's say you want to update something Mm -hmm. What you would do is you would create another app mm -hmm. with the app that you've already created. Okay. And once you put that up, people can't just update it. They ha would have to go and download that specific second app. I got you. But it's, I don't think that's the biggest threat that Ethereum faces. I think I mean, it's not the biggest, but it's no, one of them. It is one of them. I do think one of the biggest threats that they face is themselves. So what do, what exact, exactly do I mean by that? I You're mean talking about that, the side chains, right? Exactly. I'm talking about their side mm. chains. Now, mm. Tyson, you did briefly mention earlier on in the episode about Ethereum Classic. Mm-hmm. Now that was what that attacked were Ethereum. There were $50 million worth of Ether that were stolen or effectively mm -hmm. hacked by yeah, a bunch 3. of people. Yeah, 3.6 million coins that exactly. was Exactly, yeah, 3.6 mm -hmm. million. And at that time, as we said before, there were two subsets of communities or two schools of thought. Keep mm -hmm. accepted and move on or mm -hmm. change this wrong and create a new path or create a new fork. Mm -hmm. Now the people mm -hmm. or group of people that decided to have it just be as it is, accepted as it is, that became Ethereum Classic. Yeah, I mean, one thing that sucks about Ethereum Classic is the price has not really changed. No? You know, it's it's still hovering around seven bucks. Mm, okay. You know, so it hasn't really changed or moved. Gotcha. Okay, and I get, like, like we said, Ethereum right now, as it is today, they are at around uh, $1,200. Tr currently trading mm -hmm. at $1,200. Now, another fork that occurred is, is Ether Zero. Now, mm. Ether Zero is not, it doesn't have as much uh, publicity as Ethereum Classic, but Ether Zero, it pretty much, it's just designed to improve the transaction's rate of speed. Okay. So it just so means is like, that still, so can people still buy that? Yeah, I mean, from what I recollect, people can still buy that. It's just like, okay. To, so remember how we said, like, to create a coin, you need to mm -hmm. mark down all those transactions with Ether yeah. Zero. They have improved those transaction rate speeds, meaning that a miner can mine those coins at a much faster rate than mm. a regular Ether coin. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing that's because it's it's starting as a new coin. Exactly. Well, not necessarily right? as a new coin, but as a new system, as a new way to oh, operate. Oh, okay. Yes. Gotcha. So yeah. I'm guessing that's at a very low price point right now. I assume so. I assume so. Now, the third and most current fork of Ethereum is actually called Metropolis. Now, Metropolis okay. is more like a project name for Ethereum because they do mm -hmm. have visions of where it's going to go. 
Okay. So is Metropolis uh, Ether right now? Yeah. So if you buy Ether right now on any sort of like and Coinbase, that's what you're getting. You're getting Metropolis. Oh, okay. Now, Metropolis is divided into two major phases. The first phase mm -hmm. is Byzantium, and the second phase okay. is Constantinople. Okay. Now, currently, we're on Byzantium, where mm -hmm. Byzantium is a transition from a less secure to a more secure and more optimized version of the cryptocurrency. Ah, uh, okay. Yes. So, it, that's phase one of Metropolis. Now, phase two okay. of Metropolis is the transition from a POW to a POS. Ah, okay. Yeah. So pre, uh, POW is what's currently happening right now, which is proof of work. Mm -hmm. And okay. proof of work, which we talked about at the beginning of the episode, is where a miner goes in and proves that those transactions actually occurred. Are that true. They actually take, mm -hmm. Exactly, that they're true, that they actually take place. Now, the next part or the phase that they really want to get into is POS or proof of stake. Now, mm. so what exactly is POS? Yeah, so POS is twofold. POS depends upon the community to actually validate the transactions. Now, okay. what exactly does that mean? It mm. means that a person can mine or validate a block of transactions based upon how many coins that they have at a given time. And that's pretty much what the goal of Constantinople is. Now, after okay. Constantinople, they want to go to the final, ver their quote unquote final version of Ethereum or of Ether, which is Serenity. Okay. Serenity. Serenity, yes. Now, Serenity. So what's that phase? Yeah, that phase is just a completion of Metropolis with uh, Byzantium and Constantinople. And, and that's, when do they plan on having that ready by? Yeah, so that's going to be completed by the end of 2021. So it's still a work oh, okay. in progress. So it's not here yet, yeah. but it should be coming soon. Oh, that's not too bad. No, but that is their biggest threat where like, yeah, it's great for the main chain, but for any other side chains that want to like derail from ethereum it could be kind of dangerous because that might be who knows maybe that chain could be mm -hmm. more popular than the main chain itself uh mm -hmm. so the ghost protocol might come into play no 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 people might no, no. so the ghost protocol is only for the main chain uh, but the side chains they themselves could mm -hmm. actually be split apart and become their own mm -hmm. thing just like with ethereum classic mm. well guys that completes our swat analysis of ethereum teasing i gotta ask you man what do you really mm. think about Ether? You know what? I think it has potential. Think it has potential? Yeah. I, I'm per I mean, if you think about it, it's the second largest cryptocurrency. Exactly, second largest. And if I say cryptocurrency to our uh, average Joe on the street, they would think of Bitcoin. I mean, they're first going to think of Bitcoin. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's been there for longer. It's, it's more versatile, to More be used. Yeah. Yeah. It has and more a lot hype. of companies already, you know, allow payments of it. Exactly. But I'm pretty sure as time goes on and once they, once they what, like get to their serenity stage, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people will know about it even more and the price would be even higher, mm. which could, you know, be a good thing. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's a good thing, but my biggest concern is just like their uh, publicity. But- mm -hmm. I'm not going to be negative about them because I do. I agree with you. I think that they're going to be a phenomenal thing, not just because mm. of Ether, but I think because of their entire ecosystem. Like we said, I it mean, before, it's unique. It is unique. It's not like any other, no. you know, cryptocurrency. Based. No, they're the, literally, I, from what I recognize, they're one of the first and only cryptocurrencies that have programmable apps incorporated into the entire system. And mm -hmm. which is more secure, more, more safe. Exactly. And more financial institutions are incorporating them into their actual procedures. And by the looks of like the rate that the price is increasing and decreasing, it's not really that bad. No. You know, like it's it's semi-steady. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even beyond the price of it all, because I do think that 
beyond that, I think they're hardcore swim, not just because they're a cryptocurrency, but because of depths, because of mm -hmm. everything that they have going on for them. They're just mm -hmm. like, they're. I feel like they're going to revolutionize a lot of things. I do know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I have a feeling like other cryptocurrencies will try to like emulate this, you know, emulate like depths, mm -hmm. you know, because it's very unique. Yeah. But at the same time, it's very good because it's very, you know, secure and optimized. I agree. Like as an example, I remember uh, I, I, I graduated from grad school. What? I think two years ago, but even then, mm -hmm. I remember uh, there we did a, pr a class presentation. Not me, but uh, there was another group, and they created an idea or like an application where which incorporates uh, Ethereum where and mm -hmm. uh, blockchain technology, where they pretty much have a system where everyone would be willing to give their Wi-Fi username and password, and in exchange okay. for this blockchain technology, everyone who's in that blockchain will be able to access everyone else's Wi-Fi. So there's no reason to connect to data. You could just walk around and you could be automatically be connected to Wi-Fi. Practicality huh. of it all, I don't know, but it's an idea that they threw around. And the fact that you could do that and incorporate this technology with real life applications is phenomenal. That a lot of entrepreneurs mm. could start it off. But the question is, is that safe? Uh, that's that's honestly a good question because personally, I wouldn't do that because I don't I don't know who would access my Wi-Fi. I don't know what shady stuff they could do. Activities they might do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but. It's interesting to know that the concept and the technology is out there that where it's we we are capable of doing that. What do you think? Do you think it's gonna? Do you think Ethereum's gonna sink or swim? Oh, I definitely believe that it's gonna swim, because not mm. just not just for the coins. I don't think like just as a cryptocurrency, I don't think it's it's gonna swim because of cryptocurrency. I think it's gonna mm. swim because of the entire ecosystem, because mm. of the ability to create. It's, apps. it's very unique. Yeah, mm. I think it. Whenever I imagine anything that will create waves in an entire industry, I believe that mm -hmm. that will do well. Now, mm -hmm. historically, you have the printing press that got rid of monks. Well, not rid of monks. That's a horrible example. But like monks back in like, what, 1500s, they were primarily mm -hmm. responsible for writing books, for writing textbooks. Now comes yep. along the printing press and the printing press pretty much, pretty much makes them obsolete because a printing press could print so much so quickly. Disrupts mm -hmm. an entire industry. You have the internet. Revolutionizes everything. Exactly. You have the internet. Things like libraries. Yeah, they're still here, mm -hmm. but they're not as relevant. If you want to do research, don't need to go to the library anymore. You could just go to the internet and type, go into Google and figure out the answer yeah. yourself. Pull out your phone from your pocket and you got all the information right there. Exactly. Now you have this technology, blockchain technology with Ethereum. It's open source. It's uh, decentralized. It's mm -hmm. like we said, you could like get rid of escrow companies. You could get rid of uh, it's smart contracts. You get rid of the middleman. It's the middleman really doesn't good. need to be there anymore. I honestly believe that cryptocurrencies will become the future currencies. You know. Oh, there's no and question about it'll that. It'll be it'll be a global currency, not mm -hmm. just like a s single like you know like a U.S. or like a Europe type. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see. I see that. I I, I do see that. I I think that there mm -hmm. will be a universal currency, but I don't think there will be one universal currency. Oh no, there's going to be multiple because I mean, there's Bitcoin. Exactly. Right? There's so Bitcoin. Bitcoin exists, Ether exists, mm -hmm. and there's hundreds and there's hundreds of uh, you know cryptocurrencies. Yes. But you know which one of them will end up becoming the top five? Like who knows? I mean, I feel like it's a safe bet for Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Ethereum, yeah, I think Bitcoin. It's a... I think I think it's a safe bet for Ether too because mm -hmm. they're number two now. Yeah. You know, there there's no way they're just gonna drop. Mm -mm. And. I mean, like, I know that the people are scared to actually invest into the uh, cryptocurrencies. And to be honest, I'm like, I, I'm also kind of hesitant too, because they are so new. 
Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of the technology. Mm-hmm. I'm still a little hesitant about the currency themselves because of the valuations. Because mm-hmm. like you mentioned, in one week, they were valued at, for Ethereum, mm-hmm. or no, for Ether, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. One week in December, they were valued at $600. The next week, yep. they were valued at $1,200. Then yep. they go to like 900 some dollars. That's a yep. lot of volatility. And a short amount of time. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it is that. And I, I do get it because it is kind of risky. Main reason why is because let's say like you have a bunch of, you know, like Bitcoins or any type of cryptocurrency. In order for you to actually change that into cash, mm-hmm. you would have to find a buyer. Yes. So there are places like Coinbase and all that where you can sell. Mm-hmm. But it's not instantaneous. Now, sometimes it can be, depending on the demand. Mm -hmm. But other times, it can take a while. It can take anywhere between days, weeks, to even months. So it's not the most liquid currency out there. But I do, I agree with you. I think that they'll swim. I do think they'll Mm -hmm. they'll swim. It's the way of the world. It's a way that everything's turning on to. Yeah, in the Mm -hmm. beginning, they have to like iron out some rinks and crinkles. But give it like. A good 20 years from now, I think it'll be more stabilized by then. It won't be as volatile oh, yeah, as definitely. Right definitely. For sure, they're going to swim. Yeah. And guys, well, that was our SWOT analysis of Ethereum. Now, if you guys have any opinions or comments, go check out our Facebook or Instagram page at 202A Podcast and leave a comment. And we'll check them out and respond. Let us know if you want us to do an analysis on a company. And who knows, it might just be featured in a later installment of the 202A Podcast. Don't forget to smash that like button and follow us to be updated on future content. I'm Teasing. And I'm Vince. And this is the 2028 Podcast.